Hello and welcome to On Mission, a podcast by the Catholic Apostolate Center. My name is Kate Fowler and I am joined by Father Frank Donio and Chris Pierno. And today we'd like to welcome Tyler Lomnitzer, Director of Programs and Member Engagement for the Knights of Columbus and longtime friend of the Center. Some of you may recognize Tyler's name from the early days of the On Mission podcast. When Tyler was on our team, he was one of our co-hosts. So we're happy to have you back, Tyler. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Yay. (laughs) Yes. Still friends after all these years. Very much so. And today we have uh, Tyler coming on to discuss the Knights of Columbus, who are celebrating their 140th anniversary. So all of the the men present on this podcast tonight are are engaged with the Knights of Columbus and connected to it in some way. So I'm interested in hearing about your different perspectives today. And I'd like to just start off by asking all of you, you know, what are the Knights of Columbus? Some of our listeners have heard about them, have participated in some of their food sales or volunteer programs, or they have a friend or a dad or an uncle who's a knight. So, but for some of the listeners who don't know who the Knights of Columbus are, let's just start off by sharing a little bit about who they are and their history. Excellent. Well, thanks for having me. Um, The Knights of Columbus is the world's largest Catholic fraternal organization. Um, Membership is for Catholic men aged 18 or older. Um, And there are over 2 million knights in nearly 20 countries. And knights organize themselves in councils. And there are over 16,000 councils worldwide. And most councils are parish-based Um, It's a group of men coming together in the unit of a Knights of Columbus Council to offer support to their parish, their local community, um, and their their pastor. I was going to say, you've you've explained pretty much the, uh, (laughs) I guess, the the core of the purpose for our existence. No, that's exactly right. And Knights of Columbus even exist on college campuses, which is where I joined the Knights of Columbus. Um, Chris, I believe that's where you also joined the Knights of Columbus. Yes, yes. Father, is that also where you joined the Knights of Columbus? Uh, no, interestingly enough, no. Oh. No, no. I, I, I can. I certainly was in, involved in the in the beginning of a college council, but I the I knew the members of the Saint Vincent Pilati Council oh. in Hamilton, New Jersey where I grew up. And so they wait as soon as I turned 18 in, in June, they, they said, okay, we're taking you and in, you know, into the nights you go. And so, so that was, uh, even before I entered the Palatines, I had joined the Knights. So it's been, and then when I went to Catholic university and the Knights council was, was being formed uh, at that time, uh, then I, I became involved with that in the beginning of that council. And that's when I continued my journey with the Knights of Columbus, which has been for, ooh, it will be about oh, this 38 years. Yeah. 38 wow. years. Yeah. It's been a long time. It's incredible. I think it's safe to say that, um, uh, I, as Kate mentioned, you know, each one of, uh, the gentlemen on the podcast, uh, the, 
I was going to say this evening to give you all a hint about when we record this podcast, but on the podcast today, uh, I'll have a different kind of uh, story about the Knights of Columbus. But I think, you know, to Tyler's point about kind of introducing the Knights to folks, if you you want to learn more about them, I think Tyler did an excellent job of explaining um, the core of, our, of, of, of why we exist. And I think the other kind of piece to that too is, um, you know, we do offer insurance to our members and that's kind of one of the, the key foundations uh, to why Father McGivney was interested, you know, wanted to start the orders. Isn't that right? That's exactly right. Um, so I think we mentioned 140th anniversary. So, so back in 1882 in Connecticut, Father McGivney was serving his local Catholic community, um, and there were a lot of dangerous work conditions, um, and a lot of um, families were losing the, the breadwinner um, to those working conditions. And there was a real need for life insurance, for financial security for these families, so that when the breadwinner left, um, there was opportunity to live on um, and avoid poverty. So that's that is part of the core of our founding and is still very much a part of our existence today. Um, as a member, you get access to our life insurance portfolio. Um, and it's been such a successful program over these last 140 years. A lot of people don't know this. Knights of Columbus is a Fortune 1000 company um, with many of our members um, participating in the life insurance program. And the best part about purchasing insurance with Knights of Columbus is all of the premiums support charitable work um, in such large capacity that is unlike any other insurance company. And it goes back to our core founding Catholic principles, um, charity, unity, fraternity, supporting our brotherhood um, and supporting local communities that are in need. Um, one example today is the Ukrainian Solidarity Fund. Um, the order has amassed over $15 million dollars for Ukrainian relief. Um, so it's really, really powerful. Yeah. And, and Ukraine is one of the countries that the Knights uh, have councils and members in, in addition to Poland, uh, right next door. And of course, you know, Canada, Mexico, the United States here, the Philippines, and a host of other nations. Um, but I think it was, you know, it's important to kind of, I think, uh, Folks are introduced to the Knights, perhaps through a pancake breakfast or a service opportunity, um, a, a rosary being hosted by the council at the parish, um, or perhaps through, you know, its, its insurance program. And while, uh, you know, insurance nowadays, of course, has all kinds of facets to it and is very, you know, technical, you know, the core belief and, and the vision uh, of Father Blessed uh, Michael McGivney, you know, was to provide for the family um, after, you know, after an untimely death of, of the, of the, the breadwinner. So, you know, um, I think those two things, they kind of work together to kind of, I think, ground the work that the Knights do. Um, and I, and I think um, kind of, in, not in, not in, enforce is the wrong word, but I, I guess uh, support the, the the programming you know that the Knights of Columbus do it, and uh, um, I guess uh, for full disclosure, right? We should probably I <laughs> I, I don't want to say we need to read off our our bona fides, but uh, 
we have uh, you know Ty- Tyler uh, Tyler works at Supreme now, uh, so, so the Supreme Council is kind of the overarching international uh, organ you know organizational unit for the Knights. Um, but Tyler, you uh, you we were uh, first uh, a DC Knight, and you came in uh, down here with us. And uh, um, right now, currently, I, I I serve as the state deputy for District of Columbia. Um, as that means I'm in charge of all of the nearly three thousand Knights of Columbus here in in DC proper. We have Knights in Maryland and Virginia. Um, as well as pretty much, uh, I mean, as well as every state uh, uh, in the country, and Father serves actually as our state um, state chaplain for the District of Columbia. Um, so maybe it might be worth, you know, I don't know, uh, for us to talk about, you know, why we're involved. I don't know. I think that might be a good opportunity. Uh, you know, what we get out of it on a daily basis, because I, you know, I think. Um, what I think the Knights are really striving to do um, nowadays is to encourage a, you know, being a Knight, not just through the works and, and the individual D uh, programs, right. But to kind of encapsulate that for your whole existence. And, uh, and what does that mean to be a Knight? Maybe we could talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that sounds great. So, uh, let's go back to how I, why I joined the Knights. Um, I was a freshman man on a college campus, um, looking for, uh, brotherhood. Um, I was looking for not just any brotherhood that you might find on a college campus. I was looking for men that would help me pursue virtue and holiness and, and goodness. Um, and the Knights of Columbus was that, um, you would see Knights members, um, everywhere on campus, at daily mass, at adoration, serving mass, homeless food runs, um, leading the vigil and march for life efforts on campus, um, nearly a part of every student organization in leadership roles, uh, playing flag football in the quad, um, and responsibly having fun on weekends. Um, just men knowing how to have a good time on a college campus, but but with the goal of being virtuous, being holy, being uh, becoming young adults um, in, in the purest sense of the word. Um, and that's why I got involved. I needed, I needed that brotherhood. I needed that fraternity. I needed, I needed that accountability. Um, and I find that today too in my local council in Fairfield, Connecticut. It's just a really group, good group of, of men in the parish of all ages um, that want to be better and that want the men around them to be better, to be better Catholics, to be better husbands, to be better fathers, to hold each other accountable, um, to do good works for the parish and for the community, to, to deepen our faith. Um, and the Knights of Columbus offers a structure by which men can come together and and work towards those goals. Um, and I love it so much to the point where I'm a leader in a in a very tangible way. I'm a district deputy. So Chris was kind of going through the structure a little bit earlier. There's a Supreme Council, which is the overarching international governing body of the Knights. And then every state has a council. And then underneath the state level is the district level. And a group of councils makes up a district. So I'm a district deputy. So I oversee District 17 in Connecticut, um, six councils um, in the Fairfield area. 
And then um, below the district is, is the individual council. Um, so I've had such a profound experience with the Knights of Columbus that I wanted to be a leader um, and not just lead in a council, but lead a group of councils um, and, and help men um, make the most of their membership. And to be clear, my position is above Tyler's. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Of course, you know. In the true fraternal yeah, fashion. Okay. I, 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 won't, I, won't go, I won't go back to, to I, I remember when you both joined, um, <laughs> when you were a freshman in college, but we won't go there. Um, so, so this Father McGivney, it was a couple of years ago now that, that he was declared blessed. And... Uh, it was, uh, you know, of course, it was in the midst of COVID and and all of these. Uh, so it was there in the cathedral in Hartford, which he was a priest of the Archdiocese of Hartford. And so maybe we can talk a little bit about Father McGivney and, and who he was. And, you know, I mean, people, I don't think, realize how young of a man he was uh, as a young of a priest when he began the Knights of Columbus. He was not even a pastor. He was a parochial vicar, what we would call parochial vicar now, and or an associate pastor in the or curate in those days uh, at St. Mary's and New Haven. So, uh, what would you say about Father McGivney? This, who you know, who was he? What was he about? And and what did he? What did he? Why would he even want to put together the Knights of Columbus, or what became the Knights of Columbus? Well, yeah, Father, like you said, I mean, he was a simple diocesan priest, um, and. He was just operating in Connecticut, carrying out his priestly ministry. Um, and like I sort of alluded to earlier, um, it was a, in the late 19th century, it was a very interesting time to be Catholic. There was a lot of anti-Catholic sentiment. Um, it was a dangerous place to work as a, as a blue-collar worker. Um, and there were a lot of fraternal organizations coming to be. Um, and a lot of these fraternal organizations were antithetical to Catholic values. Um, and Father McGivney did not want the men in his care to be driven astray. Um, and so he saw a need where he could bring men together to um, prevent them from entering antithetical organizations to, to the truth, um, to provide financial security to families, um, and to, to help build men up, to become men of faith, to, to help their parishes and their communities. And the Knights of Columbus was formed in 1882. Um, and Father McGivney, like you said, was very young, um, a, a humble um, diocesan priest, um, and recently beatified. There's now a litany to Blessed Michael McGivney. And I think a lot of the titles in his litany um, sort of define who he is. Um, in ways that we might not be able to define him. He was, his titles, zealous priest of Christ, gentle shepherd of souls, devoted parish priest, um, defender of the widow and orphan, friend of the lonely and suffering, companion to the imprisoned, comforter of the sick and dying, apostle of Christian family life, father to the young, advocate of workers, evangelizer of those gone astray, champion of the gospel of life, pastor of immigrants, exemplar of charity, model of unity, builder of Catholic fraternity, instructor of Christian patriotism, and founder of the Knights of Columbus. Um, 
And those four that you just mentioned right at the end before founder of the Knights of Columbus, those are the considered the four principles of the order. What what was Father McGivney trying to get at when talking about charity, unity, fraternity, patriotism? What what would you say are some of the the which are still the principles of the Knights of Columbus today? Those charities inform all of the those principles, excuse me, inform all of the good works that Knights of Columbus do. Um, our Catholic faith teaches us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Um, so members of the Knights of Columbus do that um, through charity. Um, a lot of how many people listening might experience the Knights of Columbus is through their charity. Um, like Kate mentioned up front, um, food drives. You'll see lots of Knights of Columbus organizing food drives um, in their parishes or their communities or volunteering at Special Olympics um, or helping um, pregnancy centers. Charity is a principle that informs all that we do. It's, it's a motivating factor behind our work. Um, and unity, um, none of us is as good as all of us. Um, members of the Knights of Columbus know that together we can accomplish more than any one of us could individually. Um, and that takes us to our, our fraternity, um, that together we can we can provide for one another as a fraternity, um, life insurance being one, one part of that, um, but we can build each other up um, and do great work together as, as, a, as, a, as one body. Um, and then patriotism. All knights are faithful citizens, no matter what country they live in. Chris mentioned the Knights of Columbus in Ukraine, Poland, um, the Philippines, Mexico, Canada, of course, the United States. Um, Knights of Columbus are faithful citizens no matter what country they are, um, being the best citizens that they can, serving God and country um, as best as possible. It seems just like a, a beautiful way to live out the Catholic call, to, to live out Catholic social teaching, the works of mercy. I'm hearing a lot of um, those themes with, you know, the litany that you read, Tyler, and just the the tenets of, if you would call them that, of the charity, fraternity, patriotism. Um, why the name Knights of Columbus? Where did that come from? And, and what does that mean? What's Can you tell us a little bit more about that history and just the name overall? Absolutely. Um, so, like I said, when the Knights was founded back in the late 19th century, there was a lot of anti-Catholic sentiment. Um, and a lot of Catholics turned to Christopher Columbus. Um, his popularity soared during that time period as he was the one that brought the gospel to the new world. Um, he was a Catholic himself, an explorer, discovered the Americas. Um, and, and men were drawn to sort of to take on that mission of evangelizing the Americas. Um, they, they recognized and celebrated him as the um, discoverer of America. Uh, many were immigrants um, and had uh, ties, Italian immigrants having ties to Christopher Columbus. Um, so they took on, I think McGivney first called them sons of Columbus, and then they became Knights of Columbus. Um, Chris or Father, do you have any to add anything to add to that? No, I think that you know the 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 term as Tyler mentioned. You know, the the original thought was to call us sons, and then the switch was to knights. And I think that you know it 
because n- when you hear the word knight, you know, we associate it with, you know, this chivalry and protection and, um, you know, that the knights, a knight is often, was often seen, you know, as, as a virtuous figure. And as Tyler mentioned earlier, you know, that the knights, you know, very much we strive to be virtuous men and to build virtuous families and virtuous people um, in our parish. And, and I, I think, you know, that's the reason, very much the reason why the choice was to go with Knight um, to kind of show that we're being called to this. You know, Knights were not born Knights, right? They were, you know, born men and called to knighthood. And I, I think that's a, 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 a very important kind of stipulation that, um, you know, while we hope, you know, our, and our, the goal, of course, for our organization is all Catholic men should be Knights of Columbus, but, you know, it isn't for everyone. And it is, you know, the opportunity there are certain things that come along with taking on this charge uh, as with any of, you know, knighthood, but yeah, no, very good. uh, Very good explanation. One one of the things that the Knights have really focused on in, in the years that I've, I've been a Knight and even, and just, I would say just even particularly not too long before under the last, especially the last three Supreme Knights, Virgil Deckett and Carl Anderson and now Patrick Kelly. There's been a focus on the parish and the needs of the of the parish, focus on evangelization, and then also this, uh, it, especially through what's done through through charity, but also now even more so, the formation of our uh, of our members and the faith formation and how they live their Catholic faith and, and living their Catholic faith in, in everyday life. And, and so what are some of the formation efforts that I think that people don't necessarily realize, Tyler, that are, that are going on among the Knights and trying to, to help the members of all ages uh, be, you know, be good and, and not only good Catholics, but to witness their Catholic faith in everyday life? Yeah, that's a great question, Father. Um, the totality of what Knights of Columbus councils do can be encapsulated in what we call our faith in action program model. Um, and faith in action is divided into four categories, faith, family, community, and life. So all councils are encouraged to do programming, activity, formation, evangelization, that hit those four categories, faith, family, community, and life. And we've, like you've said, been really been focusing on how can we form our members to be men of faith and, and help men become evangelizers, good witnesses um, in the parish and the community. And in many ways, we do that through our, our the programming in the faith category. And I think one of the most uh, well-received examples is our program called Into the Breach where um, Bishop Olmsted of Phoenix wrote an apostolic exhortation called Into the Breach. And the Knights of Columbus um, really responded well to that and turned that into a formational video series. There are 12 Into the Breach videos um, that are very, very powerful formation tools that Knights of Columbus councils and members all over the world um, watch, discuss in small groups, um, and 
have call to actions as a result of the powerful messaging in those videos. Um, and anyone can can check them out, um, kfc.org slash into the breach. Um, very, very powerful videos. Um, but that's, that's just one, one example um, of ways men come together as knights um, to be formed in the faith um, and then to become evangelizers as a result of that formation. What does a typical maybe day in the life of a knight look like for someone who might be interested in joining? Like what are they committing to, at least in the very beginning, or not necessarily Supreme Knight status or deputy or any of these other uh, titles that you guys have worked up to. But if someone's just interested in joining, what what kind of commitment would that look like for them? And, and how would they begin that process? That's a great question. The, the great part about being a Knight of Columbus is that there are so many ways in which you can you can live out your membership. Um, you can join the Knights of Columbus at any parish where there are Knights of Columbus. Um, they usually have a little ad in the bulletin or a section on the website, so you can find them there. Or you can join online at kfc.org slash join us and then be connected to a local council. Um, and then once you're a member of a local council, um, there's just a whole bunch of different ways that, that you can get involved. Councils typically have a formal business meeting once a month where they discuss all of their activities for the upcoming month. They pray together. Um, they usually receive a message from their chaplain at this meeting. Um, those are not mandatory, um, but they are, they are important as the, the the council is a fraternal structure that needs to conduct business. Um, so that happens once a month. And then just depending on how active a council is at, an, at any parish, there would be a whole bunch of, of activities a man could participate in with his brother knights. Like I mentioned, the Faith, Family, Community, and Life programming. Um, in, a, in an active parish council, the Knights of Columbus, activities are happening, happening every week. Knights are doing holy hours together, rosaries together, homeless food runs. They're supporting pregnancy centers. They're volunteering at Special Olympics or Habitat for Humanity. Um, they're collecting food, uh, coats for kids. Um, there's just a whole suite of programs that we offer and that councils conduct. Um, some of the more stereotypical famous programs are like Friday, uh, Fridays in Lent, there are fish fries um, every Friday. And, and the contributions to those fish fries help fund the charitable engine of councils. Um, so everything we do has a very specific purpose of, of giving back to the community, supporting the parish, supporting our brother knights, per, just providing um, a lens where men can, can better themselves in some way. And, and for every council, that looks different. I know Chris, Father, and I have been a part of many different councils, and not every experience is the same. Um, but as a knight, um, you, can, you can pretty much do and participate in whatever – is, is available to you at that council or whatever you want to bring to that council. Um, there's, there's a lot of flexibility um, to respond to the unique needs of the parish and the community. And to, today there, there's a, a few different ways you can, you can join the Knights, but there's a, a ceremony uh, that, that's called a, a, an exemplification of charity, unity, and fraternity lasts about a half hour. It's a public ceremony, isn't it? Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think people don't necessarily know how you 
become the Knight of Columbus? Yeah, so you have to be 18 years old, a Catholic man, um, and you have to commit yourselves to the teachings of the church and the principles of the Knights of Columbus. Um, and you, you do that through this exemplification of charity, unity, and fraternity. Um, that, like you said, Father, is is public ceremony. It's about 30 minutes. They often take place right after Mass um, at the parish, um, where you learn in this these 30 minutes about the principles of the order, what we sort of outlined below uh, previously, charity, unity, fraternity. Um, you promise to be a Catholic gentleman. Um and you, you commit yourself to, to living a life of faith um, and doing that through your membership in the Knights of Columbus. Um, it's a really, really powerful, um, meaningful, and important 30 minutes um, that's at the start of every Brother Knight's journey. You know, I, and, and I think it's important to the Knights of Columbus, you know, depending on, you know, how much you may know about it. This may be the first time you're hearing about it, or you've you have experienced them through some of the programs that we've discussed or or other programs too that have become traditions perhaps of the parish or the council that um, the, you know, the the group has traditionally supported, whether whatever that might be, right? And it's all focused on uh, I think the, I like the way that Tyler described kind of driving the charitable engine, whether that, you know, it's raising money directly for the parish or a parish program or it's raising money for the council that then gets distributed to either, uh, you know, run the programs that the council puts on or to be distributed to other charitable entities in the community. You know, the, the, everyone's experience in the nights is going to be unique and uh, it's, it's going to be what you choose to make of it. And I think that's, you know, part of what we've just been talking about, about this exemplification. And, you know, when you join the Knights of Columbus, it's not, uh, well, Tyler and I joined, you know, in college, right? And, and that can be seen as, oh, we just joined another club. And one of the things we try to remind the guys when they join through college is that, you know, the Knights of Columbus is not another just another club it's 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 a vocation you know it's it's sort of a vocation it's you know this you are choosing to do this you do not have to do it and you are choosing to do it and 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 commit to what it means to be a a knight of columbus and that is going to be for you personally for your faith life for your faith journey but also your actions outwardly you know as a man as a catholic um and what does that look like and 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 I, one of the things that Father, as as a, a longtime um, chaplain of, of the, the council at Catholic University, and chaplain, of course, to our, the guys in D.C., and, of course, just a wonderful priest, has always said, you know, what you give to the Knights of Columbus, you will receive back a hundredfold. And, and, and that's, you know, I, I, and I just think that that's important to say because everyone's experience will be different. And I think that that's part of the beauty of it all is that, you can join the Knights in one place and you can move somewhere else and still be involved, get involved in the council that's local to where you are. And it travels with you no matter where you are and what stage you are in life. And sometimes that may mean, okay, you've joined in college and you, you're you so involved and great. And then there's a time, you know, maybe you've, you're taking a little bit of a break because you're trying to figure out your life. And then, you know, when you have a family, you know, sometimes there is that, there's that ramp up that you want to be involved. Um, and so, you know, th- 
the Knights will be there for you and they will support you if you kind of give them the opportunity to do that. And I, you know, that's, I think is an important thing to say. Um, it's certainly been an impactful organization for, for me um, and for, I, I dare say for father and for Tyler. Um, and I hope it's impactful for, for everyone that's involved in it. And I think that's what we strive to do. Um, so, yeah. I think one of the things that I, I've seen is also the way in which the particular vocations are supported. And uh, in fact, you know, so you're, you're married, Tyler, your, your brother is about when this, when this is released, your, your brother will be uh, the, on the eve of his ordination to the priesthood for the diocese of Bridgeport. And he was in the, the nights as well. Uh, and, and and so, how do you see that? You know, in terms of that that uh, really helping one another, and depend, and really, it's not just simply at a at a younger age, but even as people people age and and different stages of life and things like that. How do you see that with the knights in terms of of support of the particular vocations that people have discerned or are their vocation in life? That's the power of our fraternity. I mean, with two million Catholic men. Currently, in the Knights of Columbus, there are there are Catholic brothers, Catholic religious priests, Catholic diocesan priests. There are single men. There are married men. Um, there are men in, in every vocational situation in in the church, um, and that's sort of the power of our fraternity is that we support each other that are like in our vocation, and we support and learn from each other that are different in our vocation. Um, and that's been one of the biggest joys of my current membership in my local council is just having that access to mentorship. Um, the, the men in my council here in Fairfield, Connecticut um, are unbelievable Catholic men. They are so good and they want to share their goodness um, for, for no particular reason other than their goodness. Um, they've, offered themselves as mentors. Um, they're all seasoned professionals, husbands, fathers. Um, in one way or another, they've done great good. Um, and they've shared that with me in the hopes that I could learn um, and share that with others as well. Um, and I think something you might have been alluding to, Father, to, is the Knights of Columbus' broad support for um, vocations, um, both seminarians and religious discerning. Um, Knights of Columbus councils are there for these young men and women, supporting them financially, through prayers, um, through bringing them into the community. Um, it's something we take very, very seriously as a fraternity. Um, we just want to continue to build up our Catholic brethren so that everyone can fulfill what they are called to um, in this particular stage of their life. Is there um, an alternative for females? I think I read a little bit about that. Like, do you want to share maybe an opportunity for what is there for women to do? There's nothing official, right? And so there are all these other, there's these disparate groups. Some of them are more organized than others. Um, you know, there's the Catholic Daughters, Daughters of Isabella, Columbiettes. You know, I think those are three groups that are, are sort of kind of sort of national and organized. But then there's, you know, there's there's kind of um, 
lot of local parishes, depending on where you are, will have like a sodality or women's group or friends of the nights. Uh, you know, some of them more connected than others, right? There's been there's been much more though in the in the last years, and I think this has really been brought on by a lot of the younger knights, where mm-hmm. their their wives are very much in you know the the, the ones who are married and their wives and their girlfriends are very much involved mm-hmm. in the various activities, you know, probably other than the council meetings, the 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 various activities often have wives, family members, various things, you know, who are, who are present and a part of things. And, and that I think is a, is something that's been a, a, a really great development that I've seen over the years. I think it was always there, but, but I just think it's even more, um, you know, as, as uh, particularly uh, Catholic marriages or, or even uh, in the way that they're, that, that, that couples live their lives, there is an involvement, but there is also that that need to be t- together. And you see this, I think, in women's groups, and you see it in men. And there aren't that many men's groups. That, and I think that's where the knights also provide this space and place for that to to happen. Um, but without it being, oh, I'm running away from my family. I'm running away from my marriage. I'm running away from, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's something that I've certainly seen. I don't know, Tyler, what what have you seen? Yeah, I definitely can agree with that. Um, I think the new way Catholic families are, are living their lives these days has just shown that self in, in the Knights of Columbus as well. Like you said, outside of council meetings, Catholic families, wives, children are very much a part of, of all the programming we do. Um, everything I mentioned before, uh, from fish fries to ro- parish rosaries to adoration. I mean, these are these are not just like men only Knights of Columbus events. They're they're open to to the whole community. Certainly sponsored and run by the Knights of Columbus, but but knights are there with their wives, with their children, and it's very very inclusive, for sure. In terms of the the prayer aspect, maybe it's something we can. Bring, uh, bring it to the fore. We did a whole episode on the Eucharistic revival and the upcoming uh, Eucharistic Congress in 2024, and this, the center is certainly involved in a lot of that, uh, in in the the work with with that. But the knights are very much in, involved as well uh, with uh, with the Eucharistic revival and uh, and have uh, provi- are providing resources, uh, particularly as it's as it begins. Uh, and and sustaining it uh, over the three-year t- period. That's exactly right. Knights of Columbus councils all over the world, particularly in the United States, are being encouraged to help evangelize about the Eucharist and through the Eucharist. And one of the most tangible ways you will start to see Knights of Columbus councils do this is this Corpus Christi through Eucharistic processions. So, um, the Knights of Columbus has provided every council with a very robust, in-depth instructional guide on on what Eucharistic processions are and how they can assist at their parish um, running them. They can be logistically complex um, exercises, so to speak. Um, but Knights of Columbus are there. They're committed to helping their, their pastor and their parish um, in the most tangible ways that that we that we know as knights, um, and that's helping coordinate Eucharistic processions. That's helping coordinate um, Eucharistic holy hours. 
um, by filling up the time slots at the parish, um, anything along those lines. Um, so if you're someone who's listening and might not be a knight or is a knight and you want to help this effort with the Eucharistic revival in the United States and, and answer the call of our bishops, um, connect with your local Knights Council. Um, odds are they are preparing to do something to help in this in this regard. And, and like I said, one of the most tangible ways will be through assisting with Eucharistic processions. And I think we should talk maybe just a little bit about uh, praying for another miracle for Blessed Michael McGivney. Um, I think he's still America's newest blessed. Um, I don't think there was a beatification since his beatification. Um, In October, I mean, Father, you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, he was um, beatified in Hartford in October 2020. Um, I think that's right, right? October 2020? Yes, October 31st. We will ignore the fact that it was Halloween. Um, 2020, in the midst of of this pandemic, and, and often, you know, um, you know, knights, of course, have a very special devotion to, to um, you know, for praying for his canonization. And a lot of councils um, and, and knights in general uh, pray the prayer for canonization. Um, but one of the things that is so interesting about the way in which this all unfolded is, is, you know, during this pandemic, when there was a need, you know, in many ways for this sort of light, um, for this to happen, is many, many uh, nights will certainly say how providential it was that this occurred. And while we would have loved to have had a, a huge, you know, celebration and, and, and uh, mass and all, you know, for, for this beatification um, that we have, that to put some, continues him on the road to sainthood, and yet it was this, uh, you know, I don't want to say muted, right? But it was in the midst of this pandemic and the restrictions and the dist- and social distancing and the, and, and and yet still, um, here is this opportunity for us to come together, not only as a Knights of Columbus family, but as an ca- uh, American Catholic family to celebrate, you know, um, and, and it's just so interesting and how magnificent uh, God works uh, to have this happen during this time, uh, I think. Certainly, nights around. You know, we, we we see that as a, an interesting way in in which things work, um, and so uh, hoping there's another a miracle that occurs and keeps them going. Of course, and knights are given a rosary when they mm-hmm. enter the organization. Is that correct? Yeah, no, that's a seminal part of you know. That's one of the things. Um, the, the, the rosary and the knights are, should, are and should be synonymous and you know we we are are called to, to keep it with us uh, and and to carry it off and pray it often and um, the knights have a special devotion to Our Lady um, I think we've talked about that a few times on multiple podcasts here uh, at the center but yeah Kate that is uh, it's um, you know something that yeah every night when they join is assume you know we don't assume you don't have one but you give it one anyway now you've got an extra if you do right and uh yeah and that is a, it's sort of a, a reminder you know that this is what we're supposed to be doing and uh um it's a beautiful sort of uh sort of thing 
prayer central to the life of every night. Um, and we pray that, that there will be another miracle attributed to blessed Michael McGivney um, so that he will be um, named a saint. Um, it's just so hard to, I don't want to understate that, like in Connecticut of all places, um, it was a beatification of a diocesan priest um, just two years ago. And this priest founded the Knights of Columbus. Um, and it is just so powerful and impactful. Um, the miracle that attributed to his beatification was the healing of a, of a young boy in utero, a child of a Knights of Columbus insurance agent, actually. Um, it's just an incredible, miraculous story. And Knights pray to for Blessed Michael McGinney's intercession um, all the time um, through Our Lady with their rosary. Um, it's just an integral part to um, how we live our lives as knights, um, following the example of Blessed Michael McGivney, um, serving our communities, um, becoming better men of faith, um, and, and building up each other in Catholic fraternity. Thank you for joining us today, Tyler, and for sharing more about the Knights of Columbus, their rich history, and their 140th anniversary. If you'd like to learn more about the Knights or about how to join, you can visit www.kofc.org. This wraps up another episode of On Mission. Be sure to like, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. This episode is also available on our website and wherever you access your podcasts. If you enjoyed this, we invite you to share it with a friend. 